Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. In this Truth Talk, I want to speak about the Trinity of God, the Tri-Unity of God. Well, the Trinity of God is a concept that's mysterious and it's difficult to comprehend, but it's vitally important. And it's important for several reasons. Here's just a couple of them. If God is not a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then how on earth do we deal with the inferences to the reality of the trinity in the Bible? And there are many of them. More specifically, how do we understand the Lord Jesus' references to the Father and the Holy Spirit? And if God is not a triune being, then in what sense is Jesus divine? And in what sense, then, is the Holy Spirit divine? Now, look, this is not just a simple academic exercise. Belief in and a reasonable understanding of the triune nature of God has a strong bearing on our theology. And here's the thing. Our theology largely determines how we live as Christians in the world. Now, I started a seminary uh, close on 25 years ago, and it's still going very successfully. And of course, over the years I've had people, almost all of them have no education, higher education, and they say to me, yeah, but seminaries are just cemeteries. They just breed dead, sort of politically orientated, ultra-conservative pastors. Well, that's not true. Some might be like that. But people go to cemetery, or they study through, <laughs> I said cemetery, people <laughs> study through a seminary because they want to understand more of the nature, purpose, and character of God and how His ways play out in their worlds. Now, in the early days of my pastoral ministry, I preached a sermon on the Trinity. And the next day I received a telephone call from an eager beaver young man who said he had been visiting the church on Sunday and he had liked to come and visit me to discuss the Trinity because he wanted to clarify some points with me. So I assumed that he wanted me to explain the Trinity in greater depth. So when he arrived at the meeting, I kind of launched into a bit of a lecture. And about five minutes in, he interrupted me, quite rudely actually, and he said, yes, he, he, he knew what my position was, and he hadn't come to hear it all over again. Uh, I should rather listen to his rebuttal of the doctrine. It turned out that he was an ardent acolyte of the late William Branham. Now, William Branham was an American Bible teacher, of some time ago, who espoused a mixture of dispensational end-time and church-denouncing theories. He didn't like the church at all. And in his diatribes against traditionalism, he included anti-Trinitarianism. So he and the young man that I was now, who was now lecturing me claimed that the Trinity was pagan and that all churches and ministers who taught it were actually of the devil. Well, the meeting ended at that point, and it didn't end particularly well. Now, Mormonism and Branhamism that I've mentioned, and other things like Oneness Pentecostalism, do hold extreme views, and are anti-Trinitarian. But while most Christians accept the doctrine of the Trinity, many Christians display obvious confusion regarding it. They just don't seem to really understand at all. You see, I've heard, I've heard church members often, and preachers, 
referring to God on the one hand and Jesus on the other in one sentence. And in a way that insinuates that Jesus is not God, that he's something else, he's something lesser, and God is something more, something greater. For example, simple statements like, well, you know, God said that divorce was allowed, but Jesus came along and taught that it was not acceptable, like Jesus and God are not the same. Well, also, most Christians accept that the Holy Spirit exists as the third person of the Godhead, yet, you know, I seldom hear anybody praying to him or actually treating him in any way which indicates his divinity. An extreme example of this is uh, many, many years ago, before I was in full-time ministry, I led a lay witness mission to a church up country. And we were singing a song as part of the opening service. And the song had a chorus line which went, Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. And the minister of the church just a normal traditional church, rushed to the front, waving his hands. He stopped the singing. Stop! And he said in a loud voice, no, 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 no. We, If we wanted to sing that, we needed to change the words to praise the Father, praise the Son, in the Spirit, everyone, as if the Holy Spirit was something less. Now, Charles Spurgeon said, this doctrine of the Trinity in unity seems to be the place of standing or falling with public teachers and private believers. True. Now, why, why be dogmatic, though, on something like this? You know, even the best theological minds can barely understand the concept, let alone explain it, so why don't we just agree to disagree and get on with our Christian lives and not bother with complicated doctrines like this? Well, for starters... There is strong biblical evidence for the Holy Trinity. There are several triune formulas in the New Testament, such as Matthew 28, 19 and 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. But also there are many biblical texts that are hard, if not impossible, to understand without the concept of Trinity. I'll give you a couple of examples that come to mind offhand. Jesus is baptized. The Father speaks. The Holy Spirit anoints. And there's Jesus in the water. When he goes up to the mountain and is glorified, and he's transformed by the glory cloud of God, here is the glory cloud of God empowering and anointing the voice of the Father speaking, and there's Jesus. And significantly, it says, when the glory cloud had gone and the disciples looked up, they saw only Jesus. Only Jesus. So for me, the bottom line on all deliberations on the Trinity is Jesus. Not only what he said concerning his relationship with the Father and Spirit, but how he presented himself as God. For instance, in his response to Philip, his disciple, and when the disciples asked him to show them the Father, he said this in John 14:9, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, if Jesus is not God, then there is no salvation, no assurance of eternal life, and no comprehensive revelation of the nature, character, and purpose of the Godhead. Moreover, if Jesus is God, then the idea of Trinity must be valid, or else we would need to embrace some kind of biblically and logically unsustainable view 
such as, well, you know, while the Father was, uh, uh, in the Old Testament times, it was the Father manifesting, and uh, in Jesus' time it was Jesus, and nowadays it's the Holy Spirit. Now, this misguided belief is called modalism, and it's totally unsustainable in the Scriptures. Let me give you maybe an analogy that helps just a little bit to grapple with this concept of tri-unity, trinity in one. See, we are, we are limited beings, and we live in a four-dimensional reality of light, height, width, and time, what Einstein called the space-time continuum. So how on earth can we grasp the nature of a multidimensional being? We don't even have words, really, to describe things like this. So to hold that God is three and yet one at the same time seems to us a little bit like saying that circles are square. So we usually default to an either-or kind of reasoning. And so we kind of try and think through something that maybe God is actually only three or only one, but we just can't grasp how he can be three yet one. But you know, God the Father is shown in the scripture as spirit. And frankly, he's directly inaccessible to us. Refer to 1 Timothy 6.16, for instance. Secondly, God the Holy Spirit is a being of pure spiritual energy, unseeable and, frankly again, incomprehensible to us. Thirdly, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the physical embodiment of divinity. They are not separate in being, but they are different in substance in some way. Well, I found an, a, a modern analogy, a scientific analogy, that is quite helpful for me, and I'll share it with you. It's the analogy of light. Well, you see, light is one thing, we know that, yet it has three parts, each of which interact with the others in unity. One. Light is simultaneously a particle of matter, a quantum, but it's also, too, an energy wave. However, there is a third aspect of light. Now, you're not going to find this in the conventional science book, because it's something that I've been thinking about. But it's in a vortex form. It has a vortex form. This vortex form, you know, very much like water going out a plug, gives light its direction and its motion through space. Its energy wave in light provides its power for momentum at a speed of approximately 300 million meters per second. And the particle is its physical presence. In this analogy, we can very loosely equate the vortex form to God the Father, giving form and direction, the energy wave to God the Holy Spirit, giving power, and the particle of matter to God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, another way of comprehending something of the complexity and the interaction of the Godhead is to understand this. The Lord Jesus is the revelation of the Godhead to humanity. The Holy Spirit is the revealer and the Father is the one revealed. The Lord Jesus is the revelation of God, and I'll refer you to Hebrews 1.3 and Colossians 1.15. He is the one who lived among humans and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
And if it were not for Jesus, we would not know what God is truly like. The Holy Spirit is the revealer. And Jesus said that he, the Spirit, would guide us into all truth and take that which was his and make it known to us. You'll find that in John 16, verses 13 to 14. And the Father is the revealed one in that Jesus embodies him and the Spirit reveals him. I said right at the get-go that to get an some kind of acceptance and understanding of the doctrine has a profound effect on the way we live, on what we say and what we do, who we are and what we are in this world, and where we go when we die physically on this world. If we do not believe that Jesus is God, and that God is Jesus, then there's frankly just no means of eternal salvation. We all know what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light, no one comes to the Father, but through me. And again, I'll refer you to Romans 10, verse 9, and of course, John 14, verse 6. Now, if the Holy Spirit is not God, then on what basis do we receive His indwelling presence and His empowering? What's that all about? And if the Father is not God, then who or what is it that Jesus referred to and honored? Who is it that gives form and substance and direction. We kind of flounder around unless we have some basic concept of the triunity of God. Let me put things even more bluntly. Belief in God without belief in Jesus yields only dead religion. Belief in God without acceptance of the divine person and work of the Holy Spirit, yields powerless Christianity. Belief in God without an appreciation of the fundamental nature of God the Father as love and light yields legalism. Augustine of Hippo said this, wrote this, There is no subject where error is more dangerous, research more laborious, and discovery more fruitful than the oneness of the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please, guys, don't undervalue theology. We all have one theology or another, and our theology, whatever it is, good or bad, influences, profoundly influences, how we live as Christians in the world. God be with you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.